Don't you just wish some concepts in medicine were just super straightforward? I mean, if you have condition A, then you give treatment B, and the outcome is C. That'd be easy, right? Ah, what things in medicine are like that? Very few. There are some things. But the truth is, medicine is much more abstract. That's why the practice of medicine is called both a science and an art. I love that. Because science is great, but science can't always explain everything, can it? I mean, if it did, then every single study would find the exact same thing. And you all know that's not the case. Take, for example, what we're covering in this episode. Just in December of 2022, just at the end of last year, we actually highlighted a publication that went out into actual print just in June of 2023. So let's stop there for a minute. Don't you just love what we do? Don't you just love our little podcast community? Because we highlighted this study on vaginal cleansing before unscheduled C-section when it first came out ahead of print. And if you remember that, if you can go back to that uh, to that episode, I said we're doing something that's soon to come out. Well, it has finally come out, and it came out in June 2023. That publication was by Lorene Temming and Methodias Tooley. Now, there's others, uh, but Lorene Temming is, has, has done great work, and Methodias Tooley has been around forever. I love what he's done, and, and so I, I highlighted that publication now eight months ago. Well, spring forward to June of 2023, that is now out in the Green Journal. And just as a quick recap, they kind of took a look to see whether vaginal cleansing of the vagina with povidone iodine before C-section actually decreased infection compared to standard infectious precautions. And unfortunately and disappointingly, as we just kind of do a quick recap of that publication, they found, yeah, that didn't really do anything. According to that original study, quote, these findings do not support the use of routine vaginal cleansing for women undergoing a cesarean delivery after labor, end quote. Okay, and again, you can go back to December 2022 when we actually did this on vaginal prep at C-section. But as we've already said in this intro, Medicine is just not that easy because this month in August 2023, new data is coming out that's actually undoing these results. Let me explain. I just love this. This is how medicine uh, works. And this is why the scientific process is never ending. So put this in perspective, all right? So we have June 2023, Gray Journal, that's the American Journal of OBGYN, with this publication by Temine and Methodias Tooley et al. saying, hey, washing the vagina before unscheduled C-section and another C-section done in labor didn't reduce infectious morbidity. Okay, thank you. That's, and then that's good to know. That was an RCT. And you got to go back to that previous podcast where we kind of dissect that. Well, two months after that publication now is officially in print, now we have this new systematic review. And the irony is that it's in the Gray Journal's sister publication. Yep, it's in the American Journal of OBGYN, but that's not the Gray Journal. This is the MFM edition, which is the Pink Journal. All right, so same family, uh, but uh, different relative. Does that make sense? I guess so. It makes sense to me. So June 2023, American Journal of OBGYN, the Gray Journal. August 2023, American Journal of OBGYN, MFM, the Pink Journal. The title of this publication is, quote, Different Methods of Vaginal Preparation Before Cesarean Delivery to Prevent Post-Op Infection, a Systematic Review and Network Meta-Analysis, end quote. All right. 
See, let's get to it here. And this is why, as I mentioned before, this is why I like systematic reviews, because you can take a bunch of different studies with a bunch of different results, throw them all into one mix, turn on the blender, it gets spits out something totally different. So what did these authors find? We're going to let you know. Is one prep better than the other? Is it iodine? Is it chlorhexidine? Well, we're going to tell you what these authors found according to this new publication. So let's cover to prep or not to prep. That's the question. Medicine moves real fast. We're here to help us all keep up the pace. This is Clinical Pearls. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is exactly the kind of message and lesson that we try to impart to the medical students, residents, those who are after residency training, that when you have a, when you read an article, um, especially an RCT, that's fantastic, right? I mean, RCT, that's double-blinded, that's done well, uh, that's controlled for variables. That's exactly what you, you should be looking for. I mean, le- that's level one evidence, and that's great. And it's good to see what, what that study shows. But remember that it has to be taken with the whole burden of evidence. And I've said this before in previous episodes. That's what we try to do here. Um, it's rare that we present just one you know, publication uh, in and of itself because we always try to seek at least some history or to see what uh, if there's another opposing viewpoint in terms of opposing results um, that somebody else found. I think that's, I think that's healthy. Now, at times we do review like a new committee opinion or a practice bulletin or a practice advisory from the college. Those are very targeted and we just want to focus on that quick message. But when it comes to a study, you all get what I'm trying to say, right? It's good to see what that study says and then, and then figure out, hmm, are these results in line with uh, the burden of evidence that's come before it? Or is it totally like swimming in a whole other direction? And it's okay if it swims in another direction. It's just important to know that. Um, take into case, there, there's, on a whole separate note, this whole issue of prophylactic TXA at C-section, okay? This is exactly the point I'm making here because um, for every publication, even RCT that says, oh, prophylactic TXA given a time of C-section, uh, you know, before a patient hits 1,000 mLs absolutely has benefits. For every one of those, there's another one that says, meh, nah, I don't know, they got a little bit better, didn't really decrease any real in, uh, hemorrhagic outcome, uh, and maybe a slight, uh, you know, improvement in their hematocrit compared to those who didn't get TXA prophylactically. It, TXA prophylactically at time of C-section or in vaginal delivery, it's following this exact same thing because th- there's answers on both sides of that. Is that wild? Uh, oh, and speaking of that, by the way, there's also a separate meta-analysis that has just come out in August that has evaluated prophylactic TXA uh, before it gets to 1,000 mLs at C-section. And yes, and, and that meta-analysis said, yes, this looks like this likely helps as well. Uh, so whenever there's conflicting studies, remember my motto, right? Remember what all of our mottos should be is, man, if there's one th- subject in debate and answers seem to be on both sides of the fence, 
The answer lies somewhere in the middle, and the easy clinical application that applies very, very well to what we're talking about here with vaginal prep at C-section is this, guys. So remember this. If you're an MA, if you're a PA, NP, uh, CNM, MD, DO, that's a lot of initials. PhD, oh, PhD probably is not seeing patients. But anyway, you get my idea. If you're something in healthcare, remember the simple model. It'll keep you safe. Uh, is the intervention uh, safe to use? Is it low risk? And is there a potentially uh, a chance that this could benefit the patient? If you can answer both of those in the affirmative, is it low risk? Yep. Can it possibly help? Yep. All right. Well, you seem to have something there. It's when one of those falls out, like, hey, could this help? Yeah, possibly. Is it risky? Yeah, kind of. Ooh, you got to wait for more data. <laughs> and if both of those are no, no, it's not risky, but no, it possibly can't help. Well, then don't do it. Ah. Uh, isn't that easy? That's Choppa's life principle. Hey, is it risky? Doesn't think, doesn't seem to be. Can it help? Possibly. Well, then give it a shot. Why not? That's exactly where I'm going to try to get to, uh, trying to get to when we enter this episode. That's going to be the take-home message here regarding this brand new data. Remember, it's a systematic review and meta-analysis talking about vaginal prep at C-section because that's quite the torbid story there as well. I mean, it's just been yes and no. And as we said in the intro, for almost 20 years, this thing has been looked at. Uh, and the last publication from June 2023 uh, with Methodized Thule was like, nah, that just doesn't seem to work. And they only use povidone iodine, right? So I'm not going to go over that article again because we did that back in December 22. Please go back and listen to that because we're going to springboard from that to now. Wait, 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 wait. I've been asked to give the reference for that systematic review on TXA at C-section. That's not what we're covering, guys, but I'm going to do it anyway, just because you asked. Right? So if we give a reference to be evidence-based, to make sure you know I'm held to accountability, let me give you that reference because it is legit. All right? But we're talking about vaginal prep at C-section, but I used the TXA thing as an example that wasn't on the script. Now they said, where's that? Well, we got to, now you got to tell them where that's at. You see how accountability works and sometimes it sucks. Damn it, because I didn't want to put this in there. But anyway, so here it is. This systematic review of RCTs and meta-analysis that came out August 2023 is in AJOG MFM, so it's the pink journal. And the title, as you would expect, is Transexamic Acid for the Prevention of Blood Loss After Cesarean Section, an Updated Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis of RCTs, end quote. And I'll put this on our reference list. Not what we're talking about, but if I did reference an article, I think it's legit to let you know where you can go find it if you're interested. We are not focused on TXA in this episode. As we mentioned in that December 2022 publication, we talked about the difference between betadine and povidone iodine. Do you know what that difference is? Because I'm not going to tell you again. I already did that. Uh, do I want to spoil it? Do I say it? Well, let's just do it. Oh, my goodness. So the difference is very little. Uh, the truth is that betadine, number one, is a brand name, right? And the active ingredient in betadine is povidone iodine. So povidone iodine is the actual agent in the disinfecting solution that is betadine. Wow, I did that in the last episode. That's, if you already heard that, it's a, that's a repeat, right? That's a rerun. So we already covered that. But here's what's interesting about the data on povidone iodine. If you actually take a look at the, at the chemistry of it, 
it's not actually supposed to work when it comes into big contact or contact with large amounts of blood or body fluid because it, it kind of deactivates, it neutralizes the disinfecting property, all right? Which I've always wondered, well, then why do we even do it for the vagina? Well, and so that's one of the things is because what you find on a bench may or may not be the same thing what you find in vivo, all right? But that is something that's a basic science thing of povidone iodine that could limit some of the studies, right? So when that last publication came out that looked at povidone iodine and goes, ah, didn't really do anything for prevention of febrile morbidity over the traditional prep of the abdomen. Uh, and then you get into, well, what's a better prep of the abdomen? Is it chlorhexidine or is it betadine? Well, we'll cover that later. Well, it's probably chlorhexidine because longer residence time. I'm just boiling everything. I'm just giving away all the goodies here. Uh, but yes, chlorhexidine is supposed to be a little bit better because of increased residence time uh, and reduction of bacterial colonization of the skin. Um, but if you take a look at povidone iodine for the vagina, uh, it's amazing that it does work because, again, based on the bench test, it, it may not, it's not supposed to work as well. And so that can explain some of the things, some of the studies that have found it not to be that effective because it also has to do with the amount of blood in the vagina, right? The amount of secretions. Uh, that the patient has. Obviously, if a bag of water is ruptured or there's a lot of bloody show, that may make it inactive. So that's one of the big factors that I can't really figure out because there are studies that go, hey, papovo iodine does seem to work even in the vagina, and it probably has to do uh, with, with that reduction in, in bacterial uh, colonization of the vagina uh, that's just on contact, even though there's not a lot of residence time uh, because of the body fluids that, that's also present. And remember that ACOG does say that either, as a, as a two consider, that you can consider either papoval iodine or 4% chlorhexidine or less as vaginal prep. It's totally fine. That's in the ACOG uh, 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 position statement, but it, it's definitely not universal, right? So it's been looked in the past where MFM fellows have been um, – uh, have done surveys and questionnaires and like, no, it's like under like 20% who say, yeah, we routinely do vaginal prep at C-section, which is interesting because C-sections are not sterile surgeries, right? I mean, they're class two incisions. They're clean contaminated because you enter the, uh, the GU tract, you enter into the uterus itself. And think about those patients that you do this section for, uh, you know, deep transverse arrest at the second stage, or it's a failed vacuum or failed forceps, your hand is all the way down there in the vagina. I mean, sure. And then you bring it right up through the abdomen and ugh. I mean, that would make sense, right? This is why vaginal prep at C-section, especially if they're in labor, I mean, it makes sense. But nonetheless, because there's so many factors, guys, remember that so many things that go into the risk for postpartum infections, morbidity, number of exams, uh, prolonged time of rupture. Uh, did they have internal monitors in place? Is a patient at what's her BMI? Uh, did they have PPH? Because PPH is an independent risk factor for febrile morbidity. So all, there's so many factors. That's why it's hard to do these studies. But remember our goal. What's our motto towards, towards our ultimate end? What are we trying to get at? Is it risky? And could it possibly help? So if we find at the end of our discussion that vaginal prep at C-section is low risk and could possibly help, well then, you know, consider, maybe it should be a consideration, at least for those who are undergoing a C-section that's unscheduled. In other words, those who are in labor because they're the highest risk of, of infectious morbidity. And or just do it for everybody. I mean, that's just make a blanket statement so you don't have to think about it. Everybody gets a C-section, gets a vaginal prep. Great. 
if that's what we're going to discuss here, if that's what we're going to find, and we're going to summarize this in a minute, then the question is, well, which one is better? Is it chlorhexidine, which seems to do better on the skin? Or is it a popovoidine, which isn't supposed to work in the vagina? Oh, man, the results are going to freak you out because you would think, just what we've already discussed, it's got a favor to chlorhexidine, right? And once again, since we've already spoiled all of the things and got into all the spoilers before we even actually get to the answer in this episode, let's just say right away. The data seem to support povidone iodine as vaginal prep. In this meta-analysis, it did seem to reduce infectious morbidity. And then that's the other question. Well, how do you define that? Well, it's post-op fever, metritis, or wound complication. Those are the three things that this meta-analysis looked for. And that's something that you need to look at whenever somebody says, did it reduce post-op febrile morbidity? The question should be, um, how do you define that? I know how I define that, but what are we talking about here? Is it just fever? Because that could be a lot of things. Uh, while it's most likely to be metritis, you got to make sure it's not breast engorgement, make sure it's not uh, you know, DVT uh, or thrombophlebitis from some low-grade fever issue going on there. You got to rule out all the other issues, right? Even though obviously the elephant in the room of the head of section is that it's likely coming from the uterus. So that's the question is how you define post-op febrile morbidity or postpartum febrile morbidity. And it's generally those three items, post-op fever, uh, metritis, and then a composite of wound complication. If you're wondering which ACOG bulletin uh, mentions vaginal prep, it is Practice Bulletin 199, which is use of prophylactic antibiotics in labor and delivery. That was in 2018. And as we've referenced, skin prep uh, for prevention of infection after C-section, the one that favored, the data that favored chlorhexidine over um, povidone iodine was out of the Cochrane database, right? That was in 2020. And the title was, Obviously, you guessed it. The title is Skin Preparation for Preventing Infection Following Cesarean Delivery. So fitting. That Cochrane Review took a look at all of the data, and what they found um, is exactly what we stated already, that based on the burden of evidence, while both preps obviously have some benefit, quote, Moderate certainty evidence suggests that preparing the skin with chlorhexidine gluconate before cesarean delivery is probably slightly more effective at reducing the incidence of surgical site infection in compared to povidone iodine, end quote. Oh, and as a quinky dink, since we talked about Methodius Thule, he's the one who did that uh, publication that came out ahead of print in December that we reviewed, came out in June 2023, just two months ago in uh, the gray journal AGOG that found that povidone iodine did not reduce infection. We already talked about that one, but he was the first author on on the, something that we're talking about right now on skin prep at C-section. And that was a separate uh, RCT that came out in the New England Journal. So don't you just love, see, it's the same people that kind of repeating over and over a while because they have their little you know pet projects and they keep looking at infectious morbidity or VTE prevention and they kind of keep spinning the data. I, I love that. And again, Methodized Thule, um, just it's a, it's such a great guy. This was also, by the way, with George McCone. So a, a randomized trial comparing skin antiseptic agents at cesarean delivery uh, from the New England Journal of Medicine. This was published back in uh, 2016. 
And as the Cochrane Review stated, these authors concluded based on this RCT, quote, the use of chlorhexidine alcohol for pre-op skin antisepsis resulted in a significantly lower risk of surgical site infections after cesarean delivery than did the use of iodine and alcohol, end quote. So at least here, we're talking about the same thing. So this RCT and the Cochrane Review both favor chlorhexidine for skin prep at time of C-section. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, everyone. Let's just start getting right to our final message here and our take-home points. In this systematic review, the authors wanted to look at vaginal prep in cases that use, and it had to be RCTs, right? These were all RCTs, and the kind of vaginal uh, disinfectant had to be a type of povidone iodine or a chlorhexidine-based derivative, right? Everything else that was excluded included non-randomized clinical trials um, and cases that used any other weird kind of vaginal prep, uh, maybe a, an antibiotic kind of gel or whatever else. But if, if it didn't include those two types of vaginal preps, then they were not included in this systematic review. And again, this only included RCTs. I want you to get a feel of just how much work it takes to do one of these darn systematic reviews. All right, first, you put in your search engine, you put in your queries, and then you go to the databases, and what you get is 1,802 possible articles to include. 1802. That's too many articles. You know you're not going to include all that. And then once you take a look at what are actually duplicates, because things pop up more than once, all right, that eliminated 1,366. So 1,366 out of the 1802 chunked. Then 361 didn't meet the inclusion criteria because they didn't have exactly what they were looking for. They didn't give the right percentage or they used something else. They didn't include the the specific kind of outcome. So short of it is, boom, there's another 361. So you start with a whopping 1802 studies and you end up with 23 to review. Man, that's, think about all that work. And that's one of the things that AI is, is actually being looked at to help with these kind of systematic reviews so that you don't have to start with 1802 and end up with 23. So AI has already been used in some formats to try to, um, uh, to try to delineate which studies which should be included, but it still takes that manual, uh, that in-person, that, that 
personalization of data uh, capture and extraction to make sure that things are correct. But hopefully that is one good thing about AI because that thing scares me. Uh, but it, that is possibly one good place where AI could help is in, in kind of eliminating a lot of this redundancy, which would save a lot of time in research. So just because our last couple of episodes have been over 30 minutes and my team hates that, they're like, dude, you got to talk less. That's way too much. So, all right. So here we go. Let's just get right to it. The short short answer is yes, vaginal prep. According to this study, unlike the one from two months ago, vaginal prep of any kind seemed to help. But what's oddly enough uh, as a finding is that Povidone iodine seemed to have the best results. Remember I said it's going to be surprising because while the skin – seems to favor chlorhexidine because of residence time. Uh, Povidone iodine, which actually shouldn't work because of the contamination with body fluids and blood, actually, according to this study, worked the best. Go figure. All right. So let me read you the results real quick, and then we'll start wrapping this up. Quote, vaginal preparation methods included 19 iodine-based disinfectants, either at 1%, 5%, or 10% papovo iodine, and four chlorhexidine-based disinfectants, either at a 0.05%, 0.2%, a 1%, and a 4% chlorhexidine gluconate. Overall, vaginal preparations significantly reduced the rates of endometritis, post-op fever, and wound infection. Y'all get that? Those were our three issues. I told you that most people talk about when they talk about uh, post-op infectious morbidity, endometritis at C-section, wound infection, and post-op fever. So in this study, both of those did a good job doing that. However, with specific regard to the type of disinfectant use, when you compare one to the other, oddly enough, povidone iodine at 1%, quote, was most likely to give simultaneous reduction in the risks of endometritis, post-op fever, and wound infection, end quote. In other words, yeah, it seems like regular old cheap betadine, 1% povidone iodine worked better over fancy uh, chlorhexidine at any concentration. So there you go. Unlike the June 2023 that showed in that RCT that povidone iodine didn't have any benefit, this systematic review and meta-analysis just two months later showed that 1% povidone iodine absolutely did help. And yes, that was the same concentration that was studied in the June 2023 publication, 1% povidone iodine. So there you have it. It is the true, he said, she said of medical research. No, this doesn't help. Yes, this absolutely helps. So where's the truth? Probably somewhere in the middle. Remember the motto, remember something to keep you safe, which is, is this risky? And if the answer is no, and could this possibly help? If the answer is yes, then then that's fair. And in this case, according to the August 2023 Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis, it is also evidence-based. So it's nice when those things align. So I'm curious. I mean, do, do you do vaginal prep at C-section? Do you do it for all C-sections? Do you do it only when they're laboring and then have a section? Um, let's talk about it. So post something on the Facebook uh, page once we uh, p- uh, put this link out there uh, and let's see what people are doing. Just curious. So as always, we're thankful for you. and We're glad you're part of our podcast community. And we'll see you on another episode of Clinical Pearls.